Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast by Believe, where you stay up to date in 48 on all things NBA. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 34, the Greek Freak episode. Apologies to Hakeem the Dream and even Bruce's beloved Paul Pierce. But Giannis takes the cake, and tonight we're thrilled to be joined by ESPN Radio studio host Kevin Winter, who covers the NBA among many sports across the field. Kevin, thanks for joining us here tonight. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. I look forward to uh, I look forward to a lot of fun over the next hour or so. Absolutely. And with that, we'll get right into our opening tip. And I'm going to steal the tip tonight since this is the Greek Freak episode. And uh, let's talk a little bit about Thanasis Antetokounmpo, who joined us on our last show, becoming the first active NBA player to be a guest on the 48 Minutes podcast. And uh, I'm happy to announce that the results are in and it appears we have a 100 percent success rate when it comes to an NBA player joining us on the podcast. And then they immediately have their best individual game of the season. <laughs> and the numbers speak for themselves. The night after taping with us, the Nasus scored a season-high 12 points, along with grabbing a team-high eight rebounds, while also dishing out four assists in 38 minutes. On Sunday, the Nasus continued his tear with 14 points, five boards, and a three-assist performance. So the facts are the facts, ladies and gentlemen. NBA players come on the show and immediately see success afterwards. So, Convince your favorite players to come join us here on the 48 Minutes podcast. And maybe you, Kevin, I don't know if you've got a uh, men's league game tomorrow or <laughs> anything going on, but at least get a lotto ticket because th- good things seem to be on your side. I was going to say, so does this mean I'm going to have one of my best shows on Wednesday when we when we open up our doubleheader for the play-in tournament on ESPN Radio? You sure will. Yeah. And with that, Kevin, I'm going to lead it off to you here. What do you got for an opening tip on tonight's show? All right. I actually scripted this out, guys, because I, I didn't know what we were expecting here. <laughs> Listen, right. it's involving the Dallas Mavericks. You want to tank? You want to stink? Fine. It happens. Detroit is in the ultimate tank, but they're also in the ultimate youth movement. The Spurs fall into the, well, not very good category all season long. The Blazers realized a month ago they weren't going anywhere, and then they hit tank mode. But the Dallas Mavericks, you're in a different category. Let's go back to last Tuesday. Luka Doncic was asked about the possibility of he and Kyrie Irving being shut down. And Luka's exact words, quote, um, no. The next night, Kyrie drops 19 of his 31 in the fourth quarter, carries Dallas to a whim, and the Mavericks keep their hopes at the play-in tournament alive. They were slim. I get it. But as Andy Dufresne said to Red in the movie Shawshank Redemption, hope (laughs) is a good thing. Friday morning, out comes Dallas' injury report for that night's game. Five players, including Kyrie, are listed as out. Kyrie for foot maintenance. What? And then the Mavericks had the actual unmitigated gall Sorry, Stephen, I just stole that. To label Christian Wood as out, forget this, rest. In late <laughs> game 81, you need to rest a guy when it's a must win. Jason Kidd and the players were in a no-win situation, but kudos to Kidd for throwing the decision makers above him under the bus. Kidd said, quote, plans changed. Maybe they did, and maybe the Mavericks actually heeded Andy's advice. The hope of keeping their first-round pick, so long as it's in the top 10, with the hope of landing a generational talent in Victor Wembayama. But they went about it in the most blatant way of disregarding competition and doing whatever you can to win a game. What Dallas did was shameful. 
Totally agree. You gotta there, let Kevin. you gotta let world be. You gotta let world be tag off of that, Mister Mister Nick fan. How about how about Mark Cuban's pettiness, world B? I I uh, I think if the if the if the NBA wants to do something to write this, they'll give the Knicks a pick. I mean, it's a simple not response. <laughs> okay. I know it's not. Of course, it's not happening. <laughs> it, of course, it's not happening. But you want to keep this from becoming an issue down the road. If you gotta make you gotta make it a deterrent. You gotta make these punishments actual deterrents. You want to pull a stunt like this? Well, you, you're gonna pull a stunt. You're gonna catch all the heat for it, and you're gonna lose your pick anyway. I mean, I don't know, you know, if it's right or whatever, but it sure, make you think about doing it again. Think twice about pulling a stunt like this. And, and Jason, Knicks... go ahead. And, Ross, and, Jay- sorry. and Jason Kidd said also, "quote We're gonna have a lot of changes. This team's gonna look different next year." Good. I mean, I think one thing for one thing's for certain. If I'm a Dallas Maverick that was busting my butt all season long to get to game 81 and then be like, you know what? We're just going to punt at the two-yard line. We're not going to even try to make the playoffs. What kind of example is that? What kind of standard is that? These players have a ton of incentives with playoff bonuses, not to mention the support staff, the coaching staff, things of that nature. I, As someone that used to work in the league as a video coordinator, I couldn't believe that they did this because I think it just sets such a bad precedent for the rest of the organization and leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth. So, of course, yeah, they need a roster shakeup in general. But if I'm one of those guys that's on an expiring deal, I'm not sure I want to come back to this team anyway. Well, that roster shakeup shouldn't include the pick that they were supposed to send the Knicks way. <laughs> Your only hope is it, slides to ele- is, is it slides to 11, buddy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. And it still can. It still can, Mike. By the way, that, before we go any further, the three of us here were texting, watching that game that night and going crazy when the Mavs had a double-digit lead in the second half, rooting like crazy for the Mavericks to pull yeah. it out with those guys, <laughs> only to see them you know, fall in the fourth quarter of the ball. Oh, the game against Chicago? Yeah, yeah. it's like they can't even that- tank right. You guys can't even <laughs> tank right. It almost backfired on you. Your entire grand plan was an unmitigated disaster. Well, it was like we said. It's not – we said it before many times on the show – Tanking's an organizational thing. Players play. Correct. You put five guys out there that they're going to play their that's off. Yeah, but you know that that Cuban's pettiness might have been born out of the fact that he's pissed off that Rick Brunson, Jalen's dad, that that was sort of an inside job where he claims that they never really had a shot at Jalen. So maybe in his mind, he this was a little payback to the Knicks for doing him dirty. But still, nobody's really talking about that angle. All anybody's saying is like. Well, he screwed the Knicks out of that draft pick, which he probably did. But as Kevin mentioned, what if somebody jumps into that high lottery and then the Knicks end up with that pick anyway? That would be hilarious. And and the last thing I'll say on this before we move on, and Bruce, we'll get to your opening tip here, is the fact that you can't take making the playoffs for granted. Just go ask the Sacramento Kings. You You can't do that. And you've got a top five player, arguably, in the league in Luka Doncic. I mean... Why wouldn't you want to get into the playoffs? Can't take it for granted. Shame on Dallas. And Bruce, I'm going to end my my rant here and let you give us your opening tip. All right, Ross. So what should we make of the Lakers? In a season that saw them drop 10 of their first 12 games and then win 9 of their final 11, the numbers say that they've been what their record says they are. 
a slightly above 500 team and a number seven seed hoping to make the playoff field. But does anybody really expect them to lose at home on Tuesday to a Minnesota team that's missing Naz Reed and Jaden McDaniels, speaking of bonehead moves, no pun intended, with Rudy Gobert suspended after punching teammate Kyle Anderson in the huddle and being sent home on Sunday? Much like a shooter that gains confidence after seeing their first shot go in, I expect the Lakers to start feeling themselves after the Minnesota game and be ready to roar against second seed Memphis in the first round. Will they have enough to beat the Grizz and move on to that second round? I wouldn't put it past them. And if they somehow pull that off, the rest of the West should be afraid, very afraid. I'm firmly in agreement with you. And it's, I've had this discussion with others, guys, about the Lakers. And it's people I work with, guys who played in the league. One thought, one line of thought is, hey, tell me what's going to change with the Lakers when they get AD and LeBron healthy. Because there were times this year they looked like they were a mess. Anthony Davis was a shell of himself at times, right? He wasn't that leader that we wanted. Then you watch them play down the stretch. Look at how they're doing. You put LeBron. I've seen LeBron mode. I've seen game six in Miami Miami uniform in Boston. The God mode of we're not losing tonight. He still can do that even at his age. And Memphis, I know you like to talk a big game. Your boys ain't there yet. You know, as the kids say, you don't want that smoke. You don't. (laughs) No. And you look at the big man matchup without Steven Adams, another guy we've talked about on this show a ton. He's out. and. AD matches up with uh, Triple J just well. So, I mean, I think they're going to have their hands full with Lakers in the first round. I think they match up um, from from top to bottom really good with this Memphis group, and that should be a lot of fun if we do see that first-round matchup. World B, what do you have? Go ahead, Kevin. No, World B, go. Well, keeping with the uh, Lakers-Minnesota theme, I was just going to make a comment about what happened Sunday was – possibly the end end of a ridiculous uh, season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it all began with the uh, what's turned out to be a horrific trade for Rudy Gobert back in July. Uh, it cost the Minnesota Timberwolves four first-round picks over the next seven years, five players, including Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, and a guy who's going to rookie, who's going to probably make all rookie team this year, Walker Kessler. And, it, the trade has had little impact on the Timberwolves on the court. They're actually only a half of inefficiency. They're only a half a point per 100 possessions better when Gobert's on the court than when he's off. For a guy like that, for a guy who's getting 130 million over the next three years as part of his deal, this trade will go down unless things change dramatically as one of the worst trades in the history of this league. I like what you said there. And was it a year ago, guys, when Minnesota was the talk of the playoffs because that atmosphere was one of the best in the league? That was a fun team that we all could get behind. Anyone, I'm going to phrase that. That was a fun team. Anyone who didn't have a connection to a team in the playoffs, you could get behind. You get behind that team? I know. Ant-Man's great. I love Anthony Edwards. They just don't look like they're enjoying each other. One thing for the Lakers, end this series quickly. If it is you versus Memphis – you don't want to go long. Memphis will win a long series. The Lakers' best advantage is to go into minute Memphis on Sunday, grab game one, put the kids on notice, and then I think you can control the series. 
got to get game one if, if that's the case. And I do think, Bruce, I'm with you. I think they're getting past Minnesota tomorrow night. And, and this is something I brought up on previous episodes, Kevin. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this. I, I look at the plan a lot like March Madness or even the MLB wildcard. Of course, they're totally different games. But I think having that momentum of winning a plan game with your team you can ride that into the first round and be scary. I mean, we saw the the Padres do that against the Mets last year. Then they beat the Dodgers, a, a team that they could never get over the hump on. I could see a team like the Lakers really gaining that confidence in that playing round one matchup and then going right into Memphis and continuing to roll. Could you? I, I, I agree with that. You can even take it to seeds five and six. Like, think about this, guys. Who's seed five? Clippers. Who's seed six? The Warriors. Seed seven is the Lakers. Those are three teams who are probably the betting among the betting favorites at preseason to win the title this year, right? Yeah. Now, if you're Denver, Sacramento, or uh, or you know, Denver, Sacramento, or Memphis, you're not facing your normal run of the mill five, six, or seven seed. You're facing a really damn good basketball team, and for the most part, even even though Kawhi didn't win with the Clippers. They've got championship pedigree. So that's where in the West, I would agree. In the East, and as we start to move and shift, you know, shift gears to the East here, Miami and Boston will be interesting. Other than that, it's a quick blowout for, for, for Milwaukee, whoever they face. And if Boston only if Boston doesn't face Miami and Boston gets Atlanta, I think that's done in max five. Before they see, there we go. I'm a, I was being respectful, Bruce. I got to do the games. I'm being respectful. <laughs> One game's respectful. Wow. Better than the four he threw up. Yeah. So let's get right into our first quarter here and dive into these playing games that we have on our schedule. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with. Uh, Today, which is Tuesday, uh, the time that this uh, podcast comes out, we got the Hawks at Heat. I know that I'm taking the Heat at home in this one, but Kevin, we'll go ahead and start with you. I'm taking Miami. Miami's a dangerous team, and this is where I'll, I'll wear my Boston footy pajamas for a moment because you know it, I grew up a Celtic fan. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a child of the '80s. I mean, that's that's the team I had. If I'm a Celtic fan, I don't want to face them in round one. They're going to give me nightmares. Miami has got championship pedigree, like we talked about. Jimmy Butler is just he's just a he's a flat out horse. And he's also someone who doesn't bow down. Like you can't the expression to kill a guy, you can't kill Jimmy Butler. It takes a lot to do so. They've got I also respect the hell guys out of Eric Spolstra. I respect yep. the hell out of their head coach. Now you're putting a rookie head coach in Joe Missoula who's got way more talent on his team, but now you're mixing him up against Eric Spolstra. That causes you to go deeper into a series like we talked about with Memphis and the Lakers, but I can mention, if you're Boston and your idea is to get back to the finals, your road's going to be through Philly, seven, in my opinion, Milwaukee, seven. If you go seven with Miami, what's left in the gas tank for the finals? <laughs> Right, so back to Atlanta and in, in, in Miami. If I'm Boston, I don't know how Atlanta does it other than Trey goes for fifty. And I, I don't think guys have we seen Trey go become that Trey from years ago. Like, have we seen Trey get that hot? Not I don't with think Murray, to, right? No, not this year. <laughs> right, they would. I think they would need him to do so in order to beat Miami in Miami. Bruce. 
Miami will eliminate Atlanta and grab the number seven seed. The Heat are a more tough-minded bunch. Their defense is better than Atlanta's. They have three guys that can get you 20 every night, pretty much, with Bam, Jimmy Buckets, and Tyler Hero. Atlanta, I would say, is a little bit better offensively, but Miami has the game at home. I like the Heat, and I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a betting man, but I would definitely take the Heat. You're laying the five? Yeah, okay. You lay in the five? Okay. He says, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Rule B. Uh it's hard to go against the Heat the way they're uh the way they close the season. They play you know pretty well down the stretch. Uh, you know, they their offense had been a problem the whole season. For most of the season, it's been a problem. But since the beginning of March, they're top ten in efficiency, they're top ten in shooting. They're you know, they're getting their offense together to where their defense is. And if you know, in the playoffs, the games slow down, the games get tight. And in those clutch moments, you know, how the NBA defines clutch minutes, the last five minutes of a close game or whatever, Miami's one of three teams holding the teams under a point per possession. So when the game gets tight with that pedigree that you guys mentioned, they can shut you down. They have a big three of that has championship, you know, contender uh, or pedigree, if you want to call it, and Bam and Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. I mean, they're uh, Miami, uh, Atlanta has a shot because. Their offense has been one of the best since Quinn Snyder took over. I mean, they're top five in efficiency since since he took over. The downside is they're bottom ten in efficiency on defense since he <laughs> took over. So it's been, you know, and you, you want to have some sort of defense when you come playoff time. So yeah, Trey Young's been one of the worst shooters in the league all season. I mean, it's just not just a bad season. He's been one of the worst. Uh so it's it's hard to really back Atlanta given everything else that's going on with Miami, how well they're, they're really playing. And I think the thing to watch with Miami, as I've said before, they like to bait you into playing sloppy. I mean, they, they love sloppy games. They eat, they eat that up. They love to have a game be sloppy, have it be close in the last two minutes, and then I feel like they execute when it matters most. They get to the line, Jimmy Butler draws contact, bam, makes a big play. They're going to be really a force to be reckoned with, as you alluded to there, Kevin. So uh, that should be a first uh, good game there for the plan. Now, the second game, we've talked about it a little bit. Let's get back to it real quickly here. The Timberwolves at Lakers, I think fully loaded and a healthy Minnesota team makes this very interesting, a fun game to watch. But I think tomorrow night, I think the, the Lakers almost blow them out. Jared Vanderbilt's going to get the last laugh against his former team. Nas Reed's out. I mean, they're going to be playing Nathan Knight at the five tomorrow with Carl Anthony Towns. I see Towns having a terrible game. Uh, just my hot take there. And who knows how Kyle Anderson will respond. I don't know if you guys caught the hot mic, but he seemed pretty uh, displeased with how everything was being handled with Rudy Gobert there uh, during that interaction. And sounds like the the entire season having quote unquote babied him. But Kevin, what do you got for uh, your Timberwolves Lakers game will it be a game or do you think no, the it, Lakers? It, it won't. I, I just I just I looked at you know I pulled away real quickly. It's an eight point. It's an eight point spread. It's a lot of points to lay. But if you're going, but you know, Ross, I think you could be. We could be blowout city here. Come yeah. tomorrow night. Yeah. In fact, yeah. both night, both games tomorrow could be blowout city. But two things. Number one is what happens Sunday a season killer for Minnesota. Like is that something? That just for a team that people were talking about, hey, they could be a sleeper. We talk about the West being so wide open. Did we just watch the self-destruction of one team that we thought might be able to make a run, even into round two? 
did they just self-destruct and blow up in front of our eyes? The other side for the Lakers, and this goes to the blowout factor. So tomorrow's Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're not playing until Sunday. That's a fact. If the Lakers win tomorrow, that's four days off. If you lose, you have to play at home on Friday before you go to where uh before you go to Denver. If you win Friday, Lakers absolutely take care of business tomorrow night. They want this over and done, four days off. Coach gives them one full day, guys. Do whatever the heck you want. Darvin Ham says, guys, enjoy it. We'll get together in another day. Bruce. Uh I'm Basically, everything that you guys already said, I completely agree with. I would say that the the uh, destruction of their season began when they lost Naz Reed because they, you know, he was so important to these guys, and he's such a underrated under, you know, not really under the radar at this point. We talk about him nonstop on this show, but I thought when they lost him, uh, that's when the that that was the beginning of the end for them. I mean, look, and then I mean. Twin meltdowns on Sunday. I mean, really, the whole thing, the brouhaha with with, with uh, Gobert and Kyle Anderson. And Jaden McDaniels, WTF right. are you doing <laughs> punching a effing wall? Seriously? I mean, they don't what move. made you so mad? What made you so mad picking up your second personal foul that you punched a wall and broke your hand? I mean, I would say, you know, that's on, on the short list of dumbest moves in a long time. I mean, I remember Amari Stoudemire punched a, a fire thing once, a broken yep. glass, and he cut his hand open. But this was just simply unbelievable. So, yeah, Lakers cruise, no way they're losing at home to Minnesota. Minnesota will play another game, but they're not going to win this one. World B? Well, I'll make this real quick here. Uh, you know, the Lakers have the second-best record since the All-Star break behind the Bucks. 16 and seven. Who would have thought that, you know, you just in a conference where everybody's good for a couple of games and then takes a couple of games off. It seems like the Lakers have been pretty steady. Uh, They've been dominant with AD and LeBron on the court, outscoring teams by like 17 points per hundred possessions when they're on the court together. That's ridiculous. And the other thing about the whole Rudy Gobert suspension deal is the last time these guys met AD was guarding Rudy most of the night. Well, now AD's got to guard somebody. You know he's guarding Cat come Tuesday. And I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns is not looking forward to seeing AD in front of his face all night when he's trying to shoot threes. And AD can close out on him better than, you know, still better than most players in the league. So, I mean, it's just a, along with just a ridiculous decision, you know, to punch your teammate or whatever, it really hamstrings the Timberwolves in matchups. <laughs> I mean, how are they supposed to match up? How's they supposed to get points now with Carl Anthony Towns? He's going to be cut that you know guarded by one of the top defenders in the league. They're screwed. And you and you talk you talk <laughs> matchups. So I, I meant to say I, that was a long version of what you meant. <laughs> and you talk matchups defensively. They, they're without their two best defenders. Jaden McDaniels is their best yep. perimeter defender. Rudy Gobert is their best inside defender. The Lakers have three guards that like to drive that all play below the rim. Austin Reeves in transition can get above the rim. Everybody else, Schroeder, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, those guys could have been met at the rim by Gobert. Gobert can disrupt lobs to AD as well. That's eliminated now. I mean, they're he, just gonna... he hasn't been like that this year, though. He he t- 
in past he has, but he yeah. hasn't been the rim protector this year, not even close to what he was last year. I think at the rim, uh, he's opponents are scoring almost 60% at the rim on Rudy. Last year it was like less than 50%. So he, he's just not having an impact. So to get he his makes contract, you- he got fat and happy? <laughs> Very happy. <laughs> he still makes you think, though. And now you're not Absolutely. thinking twice about throwing the lob, you know? Right. So I, I think they're going to get eaten alive down low by Anthony Davis. But uh, to keep things moving here, let's go ahead and get to um, the second half of the play-in games. And we'll first start off with the Bulls at Raptors. And I'll go ahead and throw that Uno reverse card out. And World B, we'll start with you. Uh. I've been on the Bulls bandwagon for uh, for a little while now, just because their defense, you know, has, has really been one of the tops in the league. And you're going up against a team that it hasn't been a great shooting team. They've been they've been a more a little more complete since uh, Pearl got there. But uh, I'll take I'm going to think the Bulls are going to do, which is a little weird because typically so far in this. Uh, Play in tournament format. The seven and nine teams usually find their way through. I think they've always found their way through, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'll I'll break the trend here. I think the the Bulls are going to get there, and I think they'll uh, meet up with uh, the loser Miami. Will be the Hawks, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you look at Chicago, Atlanta on Friday night. Yep. Okay. That's all right, Bruce. Well. I will actually be attending that game on Wednesday night in Toronto. Uh, uh, nice. Getting my feet wet with Perfect. the ESPN radio folks, Kevin's colleagues. I'll be uh, I'll be observing what uh, what they're doing and hopefully producing a couple games later in the playoffs. So that's exciting to be in the arena again. Um, I like the Bulls. The Bulls have played well since the All Star break. They're fourteen and nine. Zach Levine and Demar Derozan, who will be having a homecoming in Toronto. Uh, combined for around 50 a game. I'd say the Bulls are slightly better defensively, although although both teams guard well. Uh, Toronto's hosting the game, and they have nice balance with six players averaging double figures. But I still like Chicago. And then the Bulls will handle the Hawks and grab the number eight seed. Kevin? My one question for Chicago-Toronto for the, for the Bulls side is, is the moment too big? Toronto's at least got Siakam, Van Vliet. You've got guys who've been there before. I know DeRozan has as well. Um, But now you're on the road. Um, I imagine Air Canada Center, wherever we're calling that thing these days, up in Toronto. Um, (laughs) Scotia Bank. Thank you. I knew it was. It's right. It was either a bank or it was either a bank or a or 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 an airline. Um, Scotia Bank Arena. Um, You know they. There's gonna, I imagine, Bruce. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a raucous crowd. You know, they they do love their Raptors in the springtime. I and the Maple Leafs haven't hit the playoffs yet. Um, is the moment too big for Chicago? That's my biggest question. And do you allow yourself? Are you? How are your shots going? If Chicago's knocking down a couple of shots early, all right. Now you've built yourself a base. I think road teams. It comes down to very simply, where where's your jump shot? Are you hitting the outside jump shot? You can't rely on driving all day. Someone's going to knock down jump shots. Toronto's going to get theirs. Siakam's going to do work on the inside. Van Vliet's going to knock down some triples. Um, with that being said, even if they win, whoever wins Wednesday, and if they give the Hawks a run in Atlanta on Friday night, congratulations. You get the bucks. 
Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Hang on. Bruce, yes. Sorry. I'll even agree with that one. Four games. All right. Uh, I'm taking Toronto on their home floor, but I think if there's one road win to be had in this uh, play-in tournament, I would bet on the Bulls to do it. I just think that uh, Toronto tomorrow night is going to have too much firepower uh, with their wings. Gary Trent Jr. Uh, can definitely explode. I think Scotty Barnes, I don't know. I'm not sure that uh, the Bulls have an answer for him. I think he could eat them alive, especially down low, kind of with his physical presence. Um, so I have the Raptors going ahead and winning this one. And uh, with that, we'll get to Thunder and the Pelicans. Bruce, I'll start with you on this one. The Thunder have had an excellent season. No matter what, this season has been a huge success for those guys. They're well-positioned for the future with their young stars like SGA, Josh Giddy, and two guys named Jalen Williams, uh, and a boatload of draft assets. But their <laughs> season will end on Wednesday in the Big Easy. New Orleans has two guards that can offset SGA and Giddy, but they also have a big in Jonas Valanciunas that OKC has no answer for. Look for JV to have a big game and the Pels to advance and take on Minnesota on Friday. And based on the missing bigs for the Wolves, I'll predict that the Pels win that game and grab the number eight seed. World B? Uh, New Orleans, you know, they've been dealing with the whole Zion deal for, it seems like the whole season, but it's really only been for a few months now. Uh, nine and three in their last 12. They closed strong. C.J. McCollum started really poor, but guys guys shot together. And Brandon Ingram, I mean, there's there's two legit scorers. And you need – I'm a big fan of uh, teams that have guys who can put the ball in the basket. And they have two of them right there uh, from the mid-range and uh, B.I. and then C.J. And I, I think this will be a close game because I think Oklahoma City is a – plays a pretty good defense. And SGA can get to the rim – as well as anybody in the league, and that includes John Morant. So as long as he uh, – if he can get to the rim, uh, they have a good shot. They're rookie. They're young guys. They're all young. Excuse me. They're young guys. Everybody's young on that team. But uh, Jalen Williams, uh, the guard, has really stepped up uh, to the point where he's going to get rookie of the year votes by the end of the season. But I just think uh, the Pelicans are playing like a team that doesn't want their season end. They remember how they did last year. And I think they're going to, they're going to win, and I think they have an excellent chance going forward after that. Mark my Kevin. words, this will, this will be the best game of the four. Um, I'm with you, World B. This is going to be close. New Orleans may look like they're running away, and I mentioned youth with Chicago and you know with you know Chicago's youth, and they haven't been there. I know Oklahoma City hasn't been there, but it's almost like they play that game of we're too young and. I don't want to call it too stupid. We're too naive to know what we're not supposed to know, right? Um, they they just they just know how to play. They know how to score. This is going to be the most exciting, most high-scoring game in the end. I think New Orleans does win. Um, and I think it was uh, – Bruce, did you say it? You said New Orleans is going to beat Minnesota? I believe so, yes. Okay, I, I'm with you. If we're talking a low seed here, right, or a, you know, a 9 or a 10 – I think New Orleans has got the best chance out of all of the uh, between the, the the four teams playing on on Wednesday night. I think New Orleans has got the best chance to get actually into round one of the playoffs. And then we so well, a year ago a year ago we got New Orleans and, and Phoenix and they scared the daylights out of um they scared the daylights out of the Suns. Yep. Could New Orleans do it now? Maybe welcoming back Zion to Denver. 
I think that's what we're looking yeah. forward to. Absolutely. I uh, second that, Kevin. I have New Orleans going ahead and winning this and then getting into the first round versus Denver. Um, as we move on to our second quarter here, let's take a look at the rest of the Western Conference playoff pitcher here. Of course, we do have two matchups set in stone. Let's start with my personal favorite, Sacramento and Golden State. I think that's going to be a wild series. Kevin, what are you looking forward to in that one? Uh, I'm looking forward to who plays defense first. <laughs> and, and, and so what are we looking at? That game, that's primetime Saturday night. Can Golden State, how do they play on the road? Oh, you gosh. just went into Sacramento and you just won on a night when the Kings sat everybody. And you did what you had to do to make sure you didn't get into the playing tournament. Now can you do it in what's going to be a raucous environment? And what? That arena is like one or two years old. That place is gorgeous, by the way. Um, yep. That, to me, Golden State in game one. Can you – how do you – almost – not even can you win. How do you look on the road? Guys, Golden State's look terrible on the road at games this year. They're not even in them. And back to youth. Sacramento, you're on your own home court. Don't let the spotlight be too big. Embrace it all. Embrace the joy of the moment. You want to get – look, scary factor. If, if you're scared in game one, I pity you when you go to San Francisco and Chase Center. That place will eat you alive. Show up, show like you belong on Saturday night. How does Golden State play on the road? That may dictate and tell us what kind of series we're going to get. That's what I'm looking forward to. And I know those are easy treetops, but I think they're the most important. Bruce, who you got? This is an absolutely fascinating matchup. Both teams are offensive juggernauts. Sack number one, Golden State number two in points per game. Kings head coach Mike Brown, who will be named coach of the year, was Steve Kerr's top assistant for the past six seasons. Could any coach possibly know the opponent better than Mike Brown knows the Golden State Warriors? I don't think so. The Warriors are slightly better defensively, and they have a huge edge in playoff experience. The Kings have the home court, of course, and the Dubs were atrocious on the road, 11-30. and 30. Uh, But the Kings, believe it or not, actually had a better road record, 25-16, and 16, then they had a home record, 23-18. and 18. So that tells me that SAC could be slightly vulnerable at home, even to a team like Golden State that has been bad on the road. I would expect Golden State to grab a win in SAC, maybe not game one, but they're definitely going to get a win there because they always win a road game in every playoff series they've been in since 2015. Every series they've won at least one road game. So if the Dubs split the first two games in SAC, they'll win the series. If it's 2 nothing Kings after game two, I still see a seven-game series. And in a seven-game series, I see the Warriors winning. Will be? Uh, I see this going seven games. I Maybe six, at least six. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be seven. We've talked about it you know, uh, at length on this show. You guys show me Warriors. Guys show me they can do something on the road. I mean, they just they get out. Their defense is horrible. They're almost giving up 120 points. It's 118 points per hundred possessions on the road. At home, it's 108 per hundred possessions. It's a 10 point difference, and that's huge. You know, in efficiency, uh, they you know they have the pedigree. We talked about Miami's pedigree. Well, there's no pedigree in this year's playoffs any better than what Golden State has. And do they have one more run in them? I mean. 
if you're looking for a team out of all these teams we talk about that has one more run in them, well, geez, you got like Golden State with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, by the way, who has really gotten healthy and shooting the ball great, but he's becoming a three point specialist from this point on. He's taking almost his career high in uh, his attempt percentage of his attempts that have come from three point range, and it's not even close. You know, uh, it's like fifty nine or sixty percent of his shots are three pointers now. Uh, which is easily a career high. So, you know, if he gets going, Sacramento's defense, as we mentioned, it's, it's just as bad as Golden State's everywhere. It doesn't have to be just at home. Uh, if Golden, Like Kevin said, if Golden State can get a road win, I don't necessarily think it has to be in game one because you can go to uh, game five and win, you know, win that one. And now all of a sudden you got – you know, I've as a Knicks fan, I've seen Game Five losses at home many a times, and have some with disastrous impact uh, in '93 and all that fun stuff. But you know, you can that can be just as big a loss as uh, as Game One because now all of a sudden you got 48 hours, you come back and you're down when you thought everything was going great. So I don't think it has to be Game One, but if Golden State can get a win, like Bruce said, they've won every at least one road win every playoff series since, you know, this run began, um, they can, they can pull it out. But for me, you got to show it for me first. Yep. And this will be the last ride for the Warriors as they are currently rostered. I think Draymond Green's a complete goner this off season. Of course, Mike Brown does know the Warriors, but the Warriors do know the moment. So I actually have the Sacramento Kings winning this series. I think they're going to cherish this moment. I think Fox is ready Hopefully Sabonis is ready. I'm a little nervous about him getting into some foul trouble in this moment. But I think in seven, going seven, the Sacramento Kings will win on their home floor and go ahead and light that beam. Got to ask for the real quick, real quick. Game one, the total's 239. That's 120 points each side. (laughs) Buckle up. Put your track shoes on Saturday night, boys. Are you taking you over? Ah, uh, I might have to. <laughs> yeah, you might have to. All right. I think I'm taking the over for sure on that one. Next one we got it. We got wrapped up here in the Western Conference. Solidified is the Phoenix Suns versus the LA Clippers. Kevin, I thought coming out of the All Star break, the Clippers were my pick to go to the finals out of the West. This falls under the category of I want to believe in you guys, right? Obviously, the Paul George injury does impact a lot. In his health. I want to believe in the Clippers. I think one of these years, it's going to be their year, right? I, I'm i just not sure. The not what would year. concern me for Phoenix, guys, they're top three and throw Aiton in there at top four. That's their gold. Where's their depth? Their depth is all in Brooklyn. They got rid of their depth. They got rid of their defense. That's the one area where the Clippers might have a shot. If you can turn this into a track meet, can you run down Durant? What's his cardio? Can you run? I don't know if you run down Book. Can you run down the old guy in CP3? And he's probably, if he ever sees me, he might throw the ball at me for, for calling him that. I get it. It was okay. <laughs> My bad. Um, how do you handle DeAndre Ayton? What's the Phoenix Suns' depth? What's Paul George's health? If everyone is on square on par, this is a hell of a series. This is If everyone's healthy and everyone's good, this is seven games, and it's a matter of I, I think I mean let's call it this way: the you know PG's health, Phoenix's depth. Um, I'd say those are the two biggest factors in this series. I probably have to go Phoenix if you pick against KD. He usually lights you up. 
And I'm glad you mentioned that depth, Kevin, because even looking at the Suns, you know, they're without Bismack Biombo, who's a big backup five for them. Yes. And campaign is now in question too. So that depth that they you're already in question, you're already questioning is already a little bit in shambles with those two uh, maybe being out for the first couple of games of this series. Bruce, who do you have in this one? There are great stars everywhere. KD and Kawhi, Westbrook and CP3, PG-13 and Booker. Two solid bigs with Aiton and Zubats, plus Mason Plumley off the bench for L.A. The Suns have been amazing with KD, 8-0 when he plays. And Russell Westbrook has played well, but the team is, as well as he's played, they're only 11-10 and 10 in his 21 games. You know, it's pretty mediocre. Of course, Paul George's health is going to determine if L.A. has a chance. The Suns are the better home team, and they do have home court, but the Clips are a very good road team, 21-20. and 20. So they'll be okay on the enemy territory. I like the Clippers' depth better than Phoenix, as you guys have alluded to. In a seven-game series, I think that's going to matter. If PG's healthy, I'd say the Clips have a chance, but right now I'm saying Phoenix in seven. Will be. You know, the Phoenix Suns are, uh, you know, that we've talked about how great they've been sent with KD or whatever. And that, you know, that's, that's going to be the big the spotlight is going to be on KD probably, probably more than any other player in this postseason, at least in the first round because of everything that went on. But for me, if there's one guy that can carry a team in this whole uh, playoffs to around one victory, it would be Kawhi. He's been arguably the best player in the league since he got healthy. Uh, since he came back and started, you know, getting healthy and, you know, when he didn't have to play, uh, didn't have to worry about back-to-backs anymore, like in February where he didn't have any. And I mean, offensively, he's been one of the best shooters from the perimeter all you know since he came back. And his defense is still elite. I think if there's you know Paul George, right? Paul George really shifts the momentum or the favor into uh, Phoenix side. But it, I think I like the co- coaching matchup. I like Monty Williams as a great coach. I'm a big Ty Lue fan. I think Ty Lue has, you know, if we have players with championship pedigree, we certainly have coaches uh, with them. And Ty, Ty's got them as well as anybody uh, in the playoffs. So uh, with their shooting, with L.A. shooting, they're one of the best shooting teams in, in the league this year. They were one of the worst last year. And they never shot the ball, and they were terrible. And they went out and got more shooters, and it's paid off. And the best of them is Kawhi. If he's going to be good, I think he can carry him to a – uh, playoff series victory over the Suns and really put that uh, – it won't send the franchise of Phoenix back any because you still got KD, but it would certainly uh, lift up the Clippers and put them in position for a nice run. I've got the Suns in six, undefeated with Kevin Durant out there on the floor. I think, of course, this is going to be a series where Chris Paul is going to have to play 38 to 40 minutes. And so if this series gets extended, that's going to become an issue – later down the road for this Suns team that does lack that depth and does have those injury concerns. Um, but I don't think Phoenix is going to fall to this uh, Clippers team. I think Russell Westbrook is going to be a big focus for me, how he responds, how he handles the moment uh, in the playoffs with the Clippers. So far, he's been a blessing in disguise coming over uh, to L.A. on the Clippers end of things. But I don't see Kawhi in, in, in this Clippers group without Paul George giving Phoenix too many troubles uh, to where the Suns can't win in six. And with that, we've reached our long overdue halftime buzzer. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break and come back with you 
for the second half. And we're back with the start of our second half. Let's get things kicked off here with our third quarter, talking about the Eastern Conference playoff discussion. We're going to focus in on the two solidified series that we do have as of now. And uh, Kevin, we'll go ahead and start with you with Philly and Brooklyn. Good. Uh, to make up for the first half, Philadelphia. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Not bye-bye. Philadelphia. Bye-bye to Brooklyn. This is going to be quick. This one, this is going to be quick. Uh, if it goes five, I'll be impressed. Joel Embiid and the company, they have their eyes set on the second round against Boston. World B? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Brooklyn's been one of the quiet, understated stories of this season. It was a train wreck the first month, and it really, you know, they really uh, turned things around, completely turned things around. Uh, that being said, there's just, I don't think they have, there's matchup problems. <laughs> it's just, you can't match up with Joel and who's guarding Harden, and you got those two focused. Uh, it's hard to go against uh, the 76ers moving on, and yeah, fairly quickly, five games. Bruce? I don't see this series going more than five games, and of course Philly's going to win. They've been really, really consistent after starting twelve and twelve. They went forty-two and sixteen over the final four months of the season. I mean, Harden has become the best version of himself, and as Kevin said on ESPN Radio a couple weeks ago, he's happy to be Robin to Joel Embiid's Batman. He's leading the league in assists. He's scoring twenty-one a game. Joel's going to probably win the MVP, although my vote is going to Giannis. We'll talk about that later. And he's been unstoppable this season. He can score in the post. He can go to the mid-range. He can shoot a three. He's also the best free-throw shooting big in the league at almost 86%. And he lives at the foul line. He's there more than just about anybody in the league. Um, you got Tyrese Maxey as the third guy, averaging 20. He's deadly from three-point range, over 43%. Tobias Harris has been their most durable player and has chipped in 14. DeAnthony Melton gives them solid perimeter defense and, and 10 points a game. So the Nets did a great job hanging on to the number six seed after the trades. Uh, and their future as a franchise is looking good with Mikhail Bridges. And he's the cornerstone along with Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton, Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal. But they'll be heading home after this series. Five. All right. Got three fives. I like what Kevin said earlier about the Lakers mindset Tuesday night about winning and then obviously getting that rest. I think the same can be said about Joel Embiid in this series. He's going to try to get it done as quickly as possible. I've got Philly winning in four, but I will say, even if this is a four game sweep for Brooklyn, this is great experience for this ball club for Jacques Vaughn, his younger group. Um, I'm glad they hung on to, uh, the playoff spot after what went down with the two big stars being shipped out of town and kind of putting together this group last second. Um, but Philly's going to be way too much for this guy. So we can quickly move on to the series world B definitely wants to dive into. And that is <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers in the New York Knicks and world B I'm going to let you do the honors and start us off. Oh, I think the Knicks in three, never mind four. <laughs> doing three. No. Um, it's probably the best matchup uh, in terms of you really don't know. Uh, you could make a case for either te either team very easily, I think, uh, for either team. You know, the Knicks went three and one versus this uh, Cleveland team, and the only loss coming back in October. So maybe they have the number, maybe they don't. Uh, it's really going to come down to 
is Cleveland defense for real and being able to stop a top 10 offense like the Knicks when assuming if you know Julius Randle we'll go to the assumption Julius Randle is going to be healthy for this otherwise that's a game changer all around but I think we've talked about Josh Hart's pickup really uh, added depth to this team and really uh, added a toughness to this Knicks roster they're they have good shooters they're not great shooting from the perimeter they have their moments uh if RJ Barrett would hit a jump shot, that wouldn't you know break my heart. Uh, so I think you know the Knicks defense is suspect here, and Donovan Mitchell will for sure be motivated to uh, do a number on on the Knicks. After you know we talked about previous episodes, the trade that didn't go down. He wanted to be a Nick, by the way, everybody. He wanted to be a Nick. I'm sure he's happy in Cleveland, but he wanted to be a Nick. So uh, he'll be motivated for this one. I think this could be a six or seven game series as well. I'll, I'm not, not going to go against the Knicks. I'm going I'm to do that after this whole season. After the whole season we had, after the debacle of last season, after losing to the Hawks two years ago. No, I'm take, of course I'm taking the Knicks. Kevin, I, I'm actually almost going to go two questions here to World Bank. Number one, is your season a a failure if you don't get out of round one? Yes. Okay. Uh, I talked to Stephen A. No, it's fair. And by the way, I've heard others say that. I've talked to St- I talked to Stephen A. I, I, yeah, name drop uh, about a month ago, and he said Stephen A. Smith. He said he was scared to death that this would be the round one matchup because of the Donovan Mitchell factor. Are you scared to death? I'm not scared to death. I think they went three and one versus during the season. They put 130 on them the last time they played, so it's not okay. impossible. Their defense is their. Can Cleveland defense slow down their offense? That's the that's the key to me. I so it's I, that's where I want to hear. This is what look. This is part of me being the Boston guy who wants to stir the pot for the Nick fan. Um, but this, but and I think that's going to be the factor. This is I think this is the Mitchell series and with his little supporting cast versus can the Brunson coming out party happen with Julius Randle. Can the two ride shotgun together in that passenger in that front in the front the front row with the low rider? Can they can they run the Knicks to a round one win to get New York into the second round? Because I, I mean I remember I remember watching New York in this in a second round series and the Knicks in the playoffs growing up. Man, that place was awesome. Like it, as much as I hated it and I hated you guys, man, that place was awesome. I love atmospheres, right? That and there's no. When you get a building like that, that's what this is about. Trust me, I guarantee it's a lot of people who are where I work who are begging for the Knicks to be good. And even in the league, who are begging for the Knicks to be back. Um, there's a part of me that hopes, yeah, you want to do it? Hey, New York, do it. Get it. Um, I, I know Garland. I know the other guys on, on Cleveland. Look, Cleveland had Boston's number at times this year in the beginning, right? They, yeah. Bruce, they they put up, they've had a couple of big wins against them. I think they won. Excuse me, they won three. Um, I think the Knicks get it done, and I think I think honestly, it's Jalen Brunson's the difference. As good as Julius Randle is, this as much as we may focus on Mitchell, this may wind up being the Jalen Brunson series. Bruce, the series is going seven, and I could see either team winning. Uh, Donovan Mitchell should be first team all NBA this season. Uh, 
They've got two young bouncy bigs in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. They've got a dynamic point guard in Darius Garland, or as I like to call him, Kyrie 2.0. And they're the league's best defense when it comes to the uh, fewest points allowed. The Knicks have their own dynamic PG in Brunson, as you guys have already mentioned, and a top sixth man in Emmanuel Quickly, uh, who will finish second to Malcolm Brogdon in that uh, vote. Um, and they have a bouncy big of their own in Mitchell Robinson, who's really uh, – like the top offensive rebounder in the league now that Steven Adams is on the shelf. So their bench has been bolstered big time by Josh Hart and Isaiah Hartenstein. Their biggest star, though, is still Julius Randle, who averages 25, but his health is a big question mark after injuring that ankle two weeks ago. His status is sort of unknown, and the Knicks probably won't beat Cleveland without him. Uh, But New York is a gritty team, and they will compete. And who knows, maybe Randall will pull a Willis Reed in game three and limp out there and give the team an emotional boost, even if he isn't 100%. But I like Cleveland in seven. Well, close your ears here, we'll be. I've got Cleveland in six. I do question Julius Randall's health. I'm not sure they can match up well with the Cleveland bigs. I see guys like Mitchell Robinson folding during pressure situations, foul trouble. Hartenstein will have his moments, but I think in the end, Donovan Mitchell is going to get the last laugh and uh, go ahead and win that last game in uh, in, in New York. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be stretched seven games there, um, but it should be a, a heck of a series. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this one the most in the Eastern Conference for the first round, um, and it should be a lot of fun. So, yeah, <laughs> it should be a lot of fun to see what shakes up. You just realize if, if Mitchell hits the game-winning shot in six at Madison yep. Square Garden, you've set up a week's worth of, of, of discussion for my company, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I think, and I think that could happen. I think if anyone's built for that moment in that building, for that situation, I mean, it, it, it'd be Donovan Mitchell. I mean, who Reggie w- 2.0? Yeah, I mean, you thought Trey Young was oh, was bad. <laughs> you think you think that Trey Young uh, ice cold, cold blooded shots were bad two yep. years ago? Just Woo! wait until Donovan Mitchell does that in Game Six. Woo! That that's going to be a, a big haunting memory there for Knicks fans like World B. And, and by the way, it's you know we've talked about Cleveland all season. We're you know the fact they have to play the Knicks, you know, stings for me, but. Cleveland is arguably one of the best all-around teams in the league. We've mentioned, I've mentioned before, there's only three teams in the league that are top 10 in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. It's the Celtics, the 76ers, and Cleveland. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty good company this season. And so they can def- absolutely, I'm going to be rooting for the Knicks. I want to say they can win it, but it wouldn't be the upset of all upsets to see Cleveland come away with this one. Yeah. Not in six games too, given you know they're they're balanced, they're more balanced than the Knicks are to be honest. Yeah, and uh, with that, let's get right into our fourth quarter. I've been itching to hear Kevin's award picks here, as we're going to officially submit our forty-eight minutes award winners for the season. Kevin, I'm going to start with you with the the big trophy here, MVP. Who do you got? Joel Embiid. Uh, it's as good as Giannis and as good as Nikola Jokic have been. I am not of the opinion you have to give it to someone different bleep that um so Nikola Jokic you're still in the running this is also the guy I am of the if you take Joel Embiid away from Philadelphia what are they I still think Giannis without him you've still got Middleton and Holiday if you take Embiid away from Philadelphia 
they're not the threat they are right now. I think he is the best player, the most valuable player to his team. And to me, that's kind of what the award is. The most valuable player to his team. And by the way, you got you still got to be a good team. Okay, let's let's just make sure we got that covered. You got to yeah. be a good team. But if you take person X away from that team, how bad do they fall? I think if you take Embiid away, they fall the furthest. Well, let me follow that up then. Go ahead. Where, where would where would the, the Nuggets be without Joker? I would say I, I don't even they, know if they make I think the they were were they a game above five? I think they were a game above five hundred. I so I get I get that I I do. So now for kind of balancing them out, Ross, where's my determining factor? What's my differential? And I'm not necessarily going on the two mix on the on oh one didn't play, three games missed by a Joker at the end of the season because of injury. I think Embiid had a better year. I honestly just by watching, I think he had a better year. So I'm I'm, I'm willing to give it to him. And this is not a runaway. Let's be perfectly honest. If you're voting 10, 9.5, 9.1, that's kind of where I am for Embiid, Joker, and Giannis. And last question for you, Kevin, before we get Bruce's pick here. Do you believe in voter fatigue working in media? I want to say no, but I know my (laughs) colleagues. Okay. I mean, I I, I do. Let's be honest. Not you, the other guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just – I want to say no. They tell me no, but we like fresh. How yeah. how quickly do we elevate someone, whether it's my business or even social media? We elevate you quickly to knock you down quicker. And that, I, I want to say it doesn't factor in. I think it does. I think it does. And you, especially when you're getting much so much push from a good candidate, and so much bu- uh, push from ancillary outside noise. We got to make this guy the MVP. So it's like you've got the one half that voted for Joker for so long. And then you've got the other half that's like, okay, we did it. Fine. What about this guy? We're trying to lift that guy up just as much. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably where, it, you know, whether it's right or wrong. Again, we do have three worthwhile candidates. I'll say that. Very fair. Bruce? Well, I think Embiid has had an awesome year, and I think that uh, in a way, it's kind of his turn to win it this year. But that said, I would vote for Giannis. He's the best player on the team with the best record, 31 points, nearly 12 boards, great defender, carried the team through a lot of injuries. Jokic continues to excel and would have been a worthy MVP choice. And as I said, but Joel Embiid is my runner-up, but I believe Embiid's going to win it, but my vote would go to Giannis. Will it be? Oh, well, I'm somebody different here. Three picks, three different choices. I'm going with Joker. Uh, I'll make it good. To Kevin's point, I, I've said it before, too. I don't think it's a crime of the century if any of the three were to get it. I don't think it's outlandish to – you could obviously make a case for either one, a, a legitimate case. Uh, my favorite stat of the year, probably in all the uh, – Everything I've done all year. When Joker's on the court, the Nuggets score 20 more points, 21 more points for 100 possessions more when he's on the court than when he's off. That's a ridiculous differential in offensive efficiency for one team. <laughs> and nobody else comes close in the league, by the way. And so, you know, Kevin's point about the most valuable player, I totally get with uh, Joel Embiid. But I, where are the Nuggets without, without, 
you know, this guy, by the way, 29 triple doubles. He was, he was uh, what, 11 or 12 assists away, total assists away from averaging a triple double this year. He came up just short on the assists. So he'd be my pick. And I'm going with Joel Embiid. I think he's been knocking on the door. I'm a true believer in voter fatigue. I think this is his, his year to win it. But much like Bruce, if I had a vote, which I don't deserve a vote because I'm too biased, I would be taking Giannis. But I got an Embiid for that. All right, Kevin, rookie of the year. Who do you have? Uh Paulo. Yeah. Paulo Bancaro. I I you know, I think this one's I think this one's kind of easy. Um yeah, let's just leave it there. <laughs> Are we all in agreement on that one? He started quickly and he never took his foot off the gas. 20 a game, nearly seven boards, and the Magic became a very competitive team this year. So uh, Jaden Ivey's my runner-up, but yeah, it's Paulo. Will be Paulo? Oh, you, you have to ask <laughs> the guy with the, the Magic pom-poms here with the Paolo I was, te- I was teeing you up. No, no yeah, I, I agree. He's uh, he, he struggled shooting down the second half of the year to the point where he got some other players mentioned you know, as possibility, but you know, number one pick, all the pressure on him. He goes and gets 20 a night. He becomes the guy on Orlando real quick on a young team that, you know, hopefully for their sake is ascending to bigger and better things next season. So he lived up to the hype, the pressure being number one overall, 20 a night. Get to the line like crazy, by the way, guys. I mean, seven or eight free throw attempts a night. You, you know, that's veteran stuff that he was doing. So he he's only going to get better, and he's the rookie of the year this year. All right. I think I got another quick one here, I hope. Coach of the year, Kevin, start us off. Mike, Mike Brown. Bruce said it earlier. Mike Brown, you take Sacramento, who hasn't been in the postseason in what was it, 26 years, whatever the heck it was. It was just so much. No, sorry, less than that, six, 17 years, 16 years. Yep. Some ungodly number, right? Um, and then not only do you pan into the playoffs, they're a top three team. Yeah. Ball game. Yep. Ball game. Go over. Mike drop. Mike Brown. Yeah. Yep. Any, anyone disagree with that? Yeah, I do. Oh, I do. I got, I got Joe Mazzula. Who? I, okay. I got Joe Mazzula. That's my pick. Let's he took it. over a, a ridiculous situation there that could have really been a mess. And, yeah, he has a talent there. But, you know what, Sacramento has a talent too. I mean, And Mike Brown is going to win. I, I don't you know disagree that he's going to win. My choice would be Joe Mazzula. I think he uh, did a great job. He Turn that into one of the top teams I, I just mentioned. Only three teams that are top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. And he's one of them. He did it in a tougher conference. Uh, he lost, you know, lost out to the Bucs for the best overall record. But uh, yeah, he'd be my pick. And it's not just because of the flying WV behind me there that, that I'm <laughs> doing it. Although that, I will confess that helps. He, he's still a Celtic at the end of the day. And that's tough to. You know, side with too. I was so going to say, do you need do you need to go take a shower after that comment? No, <laughs> it's it's uh, the WVE thing. Uh, that, More that kind of than the other green. Everything. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to get to the obligatory and he's a mountaineer comment. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I got it written down right here. <laughs> <laughs> Please mention. Don't do not forget. No. Don't forget yeah. mountaineer. <laughs> All right, next one. Most improved player, Kevin Shay. Shea Gilgis right. Alexander. I know Jalen Brunson is going to get some love, but Brunson, Brunson, I'd say those are the top two. Do we agree those are the top two? No. Yeah. No. no. All right. All right. That's fine. No. I, want hear, I want to hear Bruce. You, you're not either, Ross. Okay. No, um, I am. Oh, you are. Okay. I, I, I don't have as, 
that is the top two. Okay, that's fine. All right, so I want I want to hear that in a moment. I if if that's if we're looking at it for the top two, Brunson we remember did what he did a year ago in the playoffs. Yep, Shay did. That's why I say shit. Who are you guys going with? Sorry, not Silly Thunder Ross. I didn't mean to take control. No, you're good. No, you're good. We'll be. What do you got? Uh, Laurie Markinen. I think he uh, – like Nobody one. turned their career around the way he did this year. I mean, he was a – we thought, you know, he was only 25, but we thought his career was on the downswing in Cleveland. He had a disastrous season there. Uh, 14 points a game, and he gets shipped out as part of Donovan. He was a throwaway, Donovan Mitchell deal. And all he did was become an all-star and average 25 a night and become one of the best shooters in the league. I mean, he's like top five in the fit to field goal percentage. So for me, he there's for me, there's nobody to turn their season around from year to year more among great players than Laurie Markinen. Bruce. My pick is somebody who is not going to win. I think Markinen probably will win it, but my vote is going to drum roll, please. Austin Reeves. Okay. He increased his numbers across the board, as well as his swag. Just ask Patrick, Patrick Beverly about that. Too short. <laughs> uh, where would the Lakers be without him? They would be nowhere without Austin Reeves this year. Markinen's my runner-up. And, you know, all the things you guys said about the other candidates are all true. But I, I love me some Austin Reeves. And, and Kevin, I got to admit, I'm going to retract my statement here. I would have Jalen Brunson, my number one. Lori Market in my number two, and then okay. I put Shea, Shea my three. Um, but Lori, Lori, I think is a great pick too. All right, six man of the year. Who do you got, Kevin? Ah, uh, all right. So World B, if you gave Joe love, time for me to go the other way. Not Malcolm. Quickly, I know. Ooh. Look at Bruce. Um, I, I <laughs> by the way, I'm never getting invited back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now cool you are. Now we we like. Ridiculous takes on this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> Honest, honestly, I I think the way quickly has carried himself lately, and I know um, Malcolm had Brogdon had a very uh, had a great game a couple of nights ago when no Celtics were playing, and he went for over twenty, and he, I think one game he had twenty nine. I just think quickly has meant more to the Knicks than Brogdon has to the Celtics, and it's again. We're not knocking either. When I say that, it sounds like we are. are, are they the top two candidates in my mind. Are we in agreement there? Yes. Yeah, okay. I am. I agree. So we're all in agreement on that one. Um, but yeah, I'm actually going to give it a quickly. I don't. Even, we don't all need right. to ask you, World B. <laughs> yeah. I I have Malcolm Brogdon. And <laughs> we, this is awesome. What's going I on? I I do. I do. I mean, obviously, I'm going to confession tomorrow early, but. You know, that's, <laughs> um, I think quickly had a great season. I think his best moments were when he came in as a starter uh, for, you know, usually an injured Jalen Brunson. Uh, I think Malcolm Brogdon's numbers, um, you know, 15 points again, third leading scorer on one of the best offenses in the league. That exactly what Boston needed. Uh, he sacrificed his, uh, well, he went there for a reason. He knew when he went there. That's why he was going there. So yeah. it wasn't a big uh, shock, but I, as far as a sixth man goes, I think he was the best one. Bruce? If the Celtics had had Malcolm Brogdon last season, I believe they would have won the championship. He was exactly the kind of person they needed on the floor in some of those you know, games against Golden State where things were not going well and you needed somebody who had their hands on 10 and 2 with that offense. So, yeah, I'm, he never started a game this season. He came off the bench in every game. Third leading scorer, as you guys said. 
fourth best three-point percentage in the league. Steady and heady. Emmanuel quickly is my runner-up, but I'm giving it to Brogdon. I'm going Brogdon as well with my runner-up being Emmanuel quickly, and I do want to give out some love uh, for my third guy, and that is Norman Powell. He's had an exceptional year, stepping up when Paul George is out, stepping up when Kawhi is out. He's been the interchangeable wing piece for that team, providing some offense. So I do like him there. All right, last award here, Defensive Player of the Year. Kevin. Jaron Jackson Jr. from Memphis. Uh, I just I, – I, without Steven Adams, we touched on that, and Adams yep. is usually the guy on the offensive end. Um, so not only do you have to make up there, you got to make up for Steven Adams' defense, and then Jaron Jackson has done that, in my opinion. And uh, what we're looking at Lopez, guys. Um, yep. Who's the other one? Um, I know that's the third I'm thinking of. But Derek, you Derek White. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so I'd, I'd go, I'd go Jaron Jackson. All right. Will be. Yeah, I go Jackson too. He's uh, what three blocks a game. He, the note I gave at the beginning of the show about Rudy Gobert defending at the rim, how opponents are shooting uh, almost 60% at the rim. Well, when Jackson's defending shots at the rim, it's 49%. So, you know, you can see he's a, what a difference maker he is. Um, it's it's a little bit different. The numbers have gotten a tad worse with Adams out. Adams is a big part of what made that team great, allowing Jackson to do this stuff. Because when Jackson, before uh, Adams got hurt, Jackson had more blocks than fouls, which was ridiculous. And yeah. after afterwards, it's, it's flip-flopped in a major way, more fouls, which could actually become a problem in their series whenever they – go on but Jackson was the best defender all year and I think he deserves it Bruce you guys pretty much took everything I was going to say and already said it Triple J gets my vote leader in block shots picked up his game when Adams went down Grizz held opponents to the lowest field goal percentage in the entire league honorable mention to my runner-up Brooke Lopez but watch out when they when he goes up against Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is going to go at him from the opening buzzer, he's going to get him in foul trouble, and that's going to happen. I almost wish I could bet on that. But, yes, he's <laughs> going to have a real problem with Anthony Davis because he does have a tendency to get in foul trouble. And if he does, you can say goodnight against Anthony Davis. And, Bruce, you can go out and bet on that. Just take the Jaron Jackson unders for those games if you'd like. Okay. But Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'm also going Jaron Jackson Jr. We've talked a lot about, obviously, Stephen Adams being out. One other point I would make is uh, the role he played when Ja Morant was out. I mean, he he helped keep that team steady and consistent uh, without Ja as well. So I think he is uh, the favorite to go ahead and win that award. And uh, with that, let's get into our final thoughts. And Bruce, I'll let you start off the final thought portion of tonight. All right. Thanks, Ross. Sunday was the final regular season appearance for Udonis Haslam as he completes his 20th NBA season, all with the Miami Heat. The Miami native made his NBA debut in October of 2003 with two points against Philly and concluded on Sunday with 24 points against Orlando. In between those two games, he was a part of three NBA championship teams in 2006, 12, and 13, but numbers never really told the story of his value to the Heat. They have a team culture that stresses toughness, grit, hard work, and achievement. In the last seven seasons, he's only played a total of 64 games, but he was always someone that Coach Eric Spolstra wanted on the roster. 
in practice, in the film room, on the team plane, or the locker room, UD embodied the culture of the Heat and made sure his younger teammates understood it and embraced it. It's unlikely he'll even take his warm-ups off in the postseason, but he'll be ready if they need him. And don't be shocked if Pat Riley retires his number 40 jersey sometime next season, and you can be sure that Haslam will be a part of the Heat franchise well into the future. Well done, UD. Well said there, Bruce. World B. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out. Even though he will not get Coach of the Year, he hopefully will get a, a more than a couple of votes, and that is Jacques Vaughn of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you talk about a franchise that – there's no franchise that went through more ups and downs this season than the Brooklyn Nets, and Jacques Vaughn really kept them together. You know, he served as the, you know, he served as the interim coach in 2020 when Kenny Atkinson got fired, and he was a longtime assistant there. He stayed with the Nets after they went after Steve Nash. And then when Nash gets uh, fired in November, they hire, uh, they bring up uh, Vaughn to be the head coach with Kyrie already in suspension because of all those ridiculous comments that he made. There was rumors that uh, Udoku was going to take over in Boston while he was coached there. And all he did throughout this whole thing, and by the way, they he had to totally revamp this team after they end up training their two stars, Kyrie and KD, brought in a whole new roster, basically. And all he did was go 43-32 and 32 as head coach of the Nets and get them not even into the playoffs, but out of the play-in position to the point where they're now in uh, sixth seed. So, you know, hats off to the Brooklyn Nets for what they've done this year. And hats off to Jock Vaughn, who really won't be coach of the year, but maybe he should get a little more, few more votes than you think. Yeah, he did a heck of a job. Uh, kudos to Jacques Vaughn in that situation. Kevin? I will just say two things. Number one, company show. All the games are on ESPN Radio from the conference finals and the NBA finals. Um, and as much as we're going to love tonight when we've got 7-8 in both on both le- in both conferences, tomorrow night we've got 9-10 in both conferences. By the way, tomorrow night ESPN Radio. Friday, I've got the doubleheader for whoever's left on ESPN Radio. We start Saturday. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the second round. We're going to have some combination of Golden State and or Sacramento. We're going to have some combination of the Lakers and the of the Clippers and the Suns. We're probably going to have some combination of the Lakers or the Grizzlies. We're probably going to have Denver. And then in the East, we're probably going to have Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston, uh, and then Cleveland and or New York. Holy bleep. That second <laughs> round is – we love this time of year, right, guys? Round yeah. We can't wait for round one. I can't wait for round two. I can't wait for round two. It's going to be awesome. And before I get to my final thought, Kevin, this would be a great time. You had mentioned, obviously, the broadcast that you're going to be doing on ESPN Radio. How can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, and me, personally, at Kevin P. Winter. Find me there. All the games are, are going to be on the SiriusXM app, uh, the ESPN app. So if you've got the app, just go to the uh, down to your tab, live radio. We've got a game that night. Find it. We got, we do 20 games in the first and second rounds, every game of the conference finals, every game of the NBA finals. And uh, we're doing Wednesday and Friday, the play-in tournament. But me, at Kevin P. Winter. So thank you, Russ. Awesome stuff. So be sure to go ahead and check that out. As for my final thought, Suns broadcaster, longtime broadcaster in that, Al McCoy is retiring after 51 seasons as the voice of the Phoenix Suns. Al was honored during the Suns' regular season finale at home on Sunday afternoon with a video tribute 
that included many big names around the league, including Adam Silver, Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, Marv Albert, Mike Breen, Devin Booker, and the list goes on. Point is, Al is an absolute legend that not only electrified Suns fans throughout his career, but impacted many of the greats in the game as well. Well, he'll certainly be missed. He definitely has earned much-deserved retirement, and I'm certainly happy that he'll be able to enjoy that with his family. Uh, he's got a son that has worked for the team for a long time as well, and he's going to be missed around the organization, but I'm sure he'll be at some Suns playoff games uh, the rest of the way. And personally, I want to thank Al for having an impact on my childhood, listening to him on the radio, and I'm honored to have gotten the chance to spend some time with him during my stint with the Phoenix Suns. So cheers to you, Al, and I'll miss but never forget your two famous calls. Oh, brother, and Shazam. So I was hoping you, you were going to do that. I was hoping you were going to do that. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't miss that one for the world. So uh, definitely uh, will be missed, Al McCoy, but uh, thank you for all the memories. And uh, with that, we want to thank you, Kevin, for joining us on tonight's show. Tonight was a it's lot of fun. a pleasure, guys. Looking forward to listening to you on the ESPN radio broadcast throughout the NBA playoffs. And for this edition of the 48 Minutes, it's a wrap. So thanks for tuning in to us here on Believe. We'll be back with you on Friday to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Take care, everybody.